Why did you do that? Why would you even make that move? <sighs> My name's Jonathan, and this is the Snakes Cast, the podcast for people who don't know as much about games as they'd like to know. And this week, we're talking about games that make you a very, very bad person for winning because you had to screw over someone who trusted you not to do that, you bastard! Welcome back to the Snakes Cast. With me this week, Maddie McLean. Hello, Mr. Moriarty. And our very special guest, game designer Eric Lang. I promise I won't stab you in the back. Maddie's actually quite special as well, actually. Uh, one of the things that <laughs> makes him so special... <laughs> we sound terrible. Is... Stop eating the glue. Okay, here's the thing. One of the things that I adore about Maddie is, besides the fact that he's one of the sweetest, loveliest, kindest people I know, is that he loves games that practically force people to be absolutely horrible to each other. Games like Lifeboats, or Intrigue, or Quo Vadis, Diplomacy. So, my question is, Maddie, how can someone as wonderful as you be, have so much love for games that are designed to make sociopaths of us all? I think it's because I secretly hate people. <laughs> and I, I don't I think, believe you. Well, years of customer service have brought this out of me, but... Still the world. <laughs> well, I, I think there's just something really fun about being able to acknowledge people as being like, yes, we are all equal, yes, we are all having fun. But if I can socially manipulate you in such a way that I can <laughs> actually pull this move off, I will feel good, and you will kick yourself for not recognizing... That this was something that was in the plot from the beginning. I think it's a Schadenfreude song from Avenue Q suddenly. It's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> but, uh, no, I think there's just something really fun about them. I don't know why they've appealed to me for so long, but... Well, the rules inside the magic circle that Eric mentioned uh, last episode are different than the rules outside. Is, is, is it because there's like that special place where you can... Is that what it's about? I suppose so. I think it's having that permission to be a dick. Right. Rather than don't be a dick all the time. But... All right. But not only where you have permission to, but where you have to. And it's just being the person who is, you know, passing the gun around, who someone eventually has to take a shot, right? So, Well, in real life, you can't be a dick because there are real consequences that uh, sometimes life or death, yeah. right? In games, that, that the whole point of the magic circle is that we've decided to make it relatively consequence-free. So it's, I mean... Uh, I love professional wrestling, WWF wrestling. It's one of my favorite magic circles in the history of everything. And uh, it's totally like that, right? We're, there's a bit of savage in all of us. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right? No matter how civilized we pretend to be, we're kind of savages in the inside, just a little bit. And when we go to watch... Nothing yet. When we, go, when we go to play games, we're like, I'm, we are going to tacitly agree that we're going to be mean to each other. And when we're done, we're going to have a pint together and then go do our thing. <laughs> It's also the idea of, like, the purge, where we have all this stuff building up in us, and having that one place where you can let it out and have it in a safe space with friends among everyone. That's true. People who we generally feel safe around, people who we can trust not to be like that to us in real life. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, Eric, your game designs typically don't play host to the most vile kinds of cruelty that you see in games, the stuff like you'd see in a game of intrigue or a game of diplomacy. Is there a reason for that? Uh, well, that's interesting. Um, I think they kind of, I, they're not purely like that. So at the, at the core, a lot of my games are kind of prisoner's dilemma where, where, where um, players have to, uh, 
where players' actions do have definite negative consequences on each other, mm-hmm. and where they and where they make a lot of secret decisions based on blah blah blah. This interaction, but, yeah, something like chaos in the old world. There's plenty of uh, killing each other, but rarely do you see a circumstance, at least in my experience, in an Eric Lang game, when you have to convince somebody to trust you to do a particular thing, and then you punish them for doing the thing that you convinced them to do. Well, so that actually does happen, but the thing is, it's that's all nested in um, a pretty deep labyrinth of mechanical complexity. So. You're, um, I make relatively complex games. So you're, while you're navigating the complexity of the game, you're getting screwed over. But, but the A, you're, the game is complex, so you're still figuring out how, uh, what the consequences of all your actions are. B, uh, B, that means that they're not necessarily immediately apparent. It's not like old-school diplomacy where I kill you, you know immediately that I killed you. It's like a, in games like Chaos in the Old World, you have to figure out you know, a turn later, like, oh, the ripple effect of your backstab really screwed me. And C, I tried to make the consequences very, very short term. Mm-hmm. So you screw your, uh, you kill somebody, that's fine. They just get their guy back, and it's a very, very temporary setback. In some cases, like games like um, Blood Rage, uh, which sometimes you want to lose, where I set you up, right. where I want you to stab me the in the back, cards. and then oh look, you stab me. Oh no, I lost. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> but it all happens. It just sometimes it's good. <laughs> So the most cruel of all games, the ones that that are famous for this, games like Diplomacy, uh, tend to involve a lot of negotiation. They're decided by who the players choose to help or hurt at any given time, and they're very, very nakedly so. Uh, Not so much hidden behind layers of mechanics or uh, between all these uh, systems that you can also interact with. Um, Typically, to win, you have to earn somebody else's trust and then betray them at just the right time. Trust is essential, or it just becomes chaos. You know, if we're all just fighting each other straight up, then, okay, that's fun. That can be fun, certainly. But it doesn't feel quite so cruel unless there was something that you and somebody else were working on together to advance your position relative to everybody else's, and then they stabbed you midway through this. So how do Maddie's favorite games, these sorts of things, inspire that trust, and how do they encourage that betrayal in something like diplomacy or intrigue? How does that work? Uh, I think it's the whole fact that even going back to like games like Risk that you played mm-hmm. with friends, there's always someone who doesn't quite know what they're doing. And so you, it's always being like, hey, you can, you can do this. And I'll teach you the mechanics while also you know, benefiting myself. But uh, there, there is also an element of it where we recognize that at some point you have to trust other people. Mm-hmm. And at some point, like it's funny because in a lot of these games, it's very rare that I'm the one who actually backstabs people right away. <laughs> Because I think a lot of people expect that from me, so you try to foster... (laughs) Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. (laughs) I wonder if that's part of the appeal for you as well, that tension. Not just uh, that sense of knowing that you could do it to somebody else, but knowing that somebody else could do it to you. Mm -hmm. Is that part of the appeal? Is that part of the excitement? I think so, because it's just like, who's going to be the one who's going to pull the trigger? Who's going to be the one who's who's a dick first? Because... I think what I like is as soon as someone else is a dick first, I'm always just like, hey guys, he's a dick. So it's like going on but it's like, the, it's like going into metagames where... Sure, or going on a roller coaster where you know you're going to be scared. Mm-hmm. And, and part of and the fun is the I tension. I do love that. roller coasters. Yeah. I think, you're, I think you're like uncovering layers of depth here that I didn't realize. Were there. <laughs> this is I good. just thought I was a dick. This yeah. is the Maddie McLean Psychoanalysis Podcast, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Well, we actually, uh, I mean, on the short d- designer episode. side, we tend to, a lot of these games tend to be balanced on the, um, like a lot of games are balanced so that there's a limited number of resources and players have to uh, divide them. Uh, right. I've got a certain even, amount right? of money, you've got a certain amount of money. Right. Or, I, I mean, even like games of warfare, right? Like, sure. Like, like a certain so, amount of soldiers, you've got a certain amount of soldiers. Exactly right. Uh, games like 
high negotiation games like Diplomacy are one of my favorites. I'm the boss, one of my favorite games of all times. They're they're balanced on a fulcrum of rather than giving players enough resources to compete against each other, making sure that players are short resources to do it themselves. Right. You can never accomplish anything on your own. So you have to actually fight with other right. people. That's the so. incentive. That's the incentive. Like in diplomacy, all seven countries are so balanced against each other that it's pretty much impossible to take any territory from anyone else unless you get help from one of your other opponents. Exactly. Or more nakedly, yep. Quo Vadis, where you're actually forced to vote with other people right. to get yourself forward. But mm-hmm. Exactly. And then the game actually rewards you, too. You score points every time you help somebody up. Mm-hmm. So on the surface, yep, this, this, we've also got all these incentives to help each other and support each other. Um, even Bonanza, you know, the game of bean trading, it, it really rewards players for working together and for, uh, for making deals with each other. And yet. And yet, they also reward you um, because uh, the fact that they are, uh, are zero-sum, only one player may wa- right. uh, can win, at some point, everybody can advance in the same, uh, at the same speed until one person decides we are now at the situation where if, if, if I screw all of you guys, I will advance further than everybody else. That is actually, that's built into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes mechanically, but usually not. Usually just by making sure that nobody has enough resources to do it themselves, the dynamics of most games will play out that way. Um, because, of course, um, like they're a race. Yeah, right? they'll, they'll balance themselves based on the negotiation. If somebody realizes that somebody else is reaching that point, right. then the name of the game becomes Get That. Mm-hmm. But as soon as somebody's approaching that point, they realize as soon as they take one step further, the point of the game is going to be get them. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because usually when someone takes that little step to try to backstab someone, they usually end up penalized as well because they've wasted resources to try to get that other person back. That a lot of times, yes. Mm-hmm. How uh, how do you design a good stab? What uh, how how much should it hurt yourself to be able to really really mess things up for another player in one of these kinds of games? Should it hurt you at all? Um, I mean, it totally. It this so depends on the game. Right. I mean, the um, so there's games like Munchkin, right? Um, which uh, very famously is Schadenfreude at the card game, <laughs> right? And that's the, that game is based on. Um, it, it's a race to be the first to get X number of uh, to get to level ten, and only one player can do it. And every, the game has completely full open interaction, so you guys and you can interact with anybody. I can at the always table. do stuff to mess with you to anybody, right? To anybody to anybody you want. And the fact that the more open the interaction is, the more um, the more opportunities you give players to stab somebody. And then it re- um, and of course, as soon as one person starts getting ahead, then you have to stab them. You have right. to take them down. So. Um, interaction is one way of doing it. Um, the other way of doing it is uh, incentives, right? It's just purely incentives. So if you, in games where, like what I call dudes on a map games, where you score victory points for killing other people, mm-hmm. um, especially, and if there's any mechanism for sharing points, um, that's all you need. Because if we share points for killing people, and you and I will kill people together until I decide, you know what? I'm not working with you anymore. I'm going to take all those points myself and I'll kill you. <laughs> As seriously as some people do take certain games, I mean, obviously a lot of bridge players take their play very seriously, uh, sometimes people can wind up taking these sort of, uh, well, if you want to call them sociopath games, it's actually probably me. If people want to take these sort of mean games seriously, that can sometimes go to some very bad places. The idea of taking it personally when somebody does something just to screw you, uh, that, that's definitely something that can lead to places where we don't want any game to go. What are some of the warning signs you need to be on the lookout for that maybe 
somebody's taking at the table is taking this game a little bit more seriously than they ought to. If they flip the table. <laughs> Flipthetable.com. I mean, one of the classic warning signs, obviously, is when people start bringing uh, social baggage from outside the table right. into the game. Right, that's you can instantly tell. Right, when they start talking about their their relationship as friends or as spouses outside the game, that's, um, they, when they're bringing stuff from outside the magic circle into it. Right, exactly. Right, that's an indication that it's right. beginning to bleed through. You really want to sleep on the sofa tonight? Yeah, maybe, ironically, maybe, right? Yeah, but. maybe you don't want exes playing lifeboats. It's just kind of <laughs> not going to go well. Well, I guess it depends on the X, but yeah, I can definitely <laughs> see that going poorly. Has this ever happened in a game that you were playing? You know, it's, uh, it, it got too serious and somebody did something really, really vicious and just exploded somebody's personal life for real? Uh, yes, but I, it's not. it wasn't so much an artifact of the game. It's actually, I, I played games where people came in with issues and were kind of looking for an outlet to air all that. Oh, dear. And, then they, mm-hmm. and so they did, and it happened. And it, so for them, it was just fine, but for everybody else, it was really bad. Right. So I, remember, I remember there was one instance where I was playing a game, and the other person was vastly better at the game than me and understood it better, and that was just another situation where it's just like, this is not going well. This is not something I feel safe in. So I think that could definitely be a part of it as well. So mm. it's that, that, that sense of uh, not being good enough that, uh, that comes... I, this is something I see a lot at the cafe as well. You know, people not enjoying games because it draws too much uh, on their sense of inadequacy, the sense of like they're, they're not playing well enough to be worthy of their friends. Oh my goodness. Yeah, definitely need to stay clear of that. Well, it's happened a few times, even as Snakes, uh, playing your favorite game, uh, Cards Against Humanity. Oh. Um, Yay. I, I've, seen it, I've seen it played where, where in justifying the joke, right. it starts, that's where it starts getting real personal and all the trigger words come in. And that's, well, Cards Against Humanity is kind of a loaded game in the first place. It is. I mean, I, I guess under the ideal circumstances, it starts a serious conversation about this, but in too many cases, it'll just wind up with... Fights. Yep. And on the bright side, it'll always make good firewood. So <laughs> I really just wanted to call you a blank. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, there are good ways to blunt this possible effect through uh, through gameplay, through not bringing your own baggage to the table. Um, are there any ways to blunt this through game design, apart from you know adding more systems to the game to make it so it's not as nakedly obvious that you did that to me? I mean, yes, um, there is. And so that um, the, the lever I was talking about that last segment, the lever that we pull is the interaction lever. Right. The more um, you can, it is possible to absolutely insulate players from the consequences of their actions with other people by removing their ability to affect other players. Um, games like Take It Easy, Take It, are, uh, where everybody just builds their own puzzle and right. does so it. It's just like playing bingo. Almost. Exactly right. Don't even I'm look at anybody. Doing my thing over here, you're doing your thing over there. Absolutely, and so that's those are perfectly pleasant experiences. People like that, but there's uh, there's a spectrum, right? To games like Diplomacy, where everything is open interaction. So that's a the spectrum of interaction from design level. The more that you gear it toward uh, open interaction, the more chances you're going to have for that kind of baggage the less you don't. No, the, the issue is that the games the games like that, where there is more player interaction, where players can bring, um, where the social norms generally take over a little bit more of the gameplay, the upside to that is that those games take on a very different character based on who's playing the game. Mm-hmm. And so you get a lot more personal stories and a lot more compelling human stories out of right, those. The game is it's, right? it's less about the game and more about the players and the, and the human connections that they form. Right. In this. Right. Well, no, That's the risk reward. One thing, I've, I've actually been working on a game prototype for a while called Treehouse, 
which is pretty much all of these options of backstabby, but wrapped <laughs> around the idea that you are kids at recess. So, <laughs> no X allowed. Yeah, and so it's the idea of being like, maybe it's a part of it could also be the theme alleviating that kind of tension where... Sure. Yes, if if it's a lighthearted thing. Like if you're all, you know, kids at recess. Yeah, I can I can really see that doing a lot to deflate tensions. Just the way uh, cute penguins can deflate the uh, the intimidation of learning to play a strategy game. Mm-hmm. That's all for this week. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about on the show, tweet it to us at SnakesCast or post it on the Snakes and Lattes Facebook page. Maddie, Eric, thank you for joining me. Farewell. Magic Circle. The Snakes Cast is produced by P.T. Douglas. Music is provided by Ben Sound. The opinions expressed on the show belong to the people in it and not the company behind it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Game on. Snakes Cast.